0: Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. This is our attempt to speak the gospel out of every corner of scripture. We believe that every part of the Bible, Old Testament and New, is about Jesus. And this podcast is our experiment to publicly test that belief. Today's episode is brought to you by Thomas Nelson Publishers and my new book, Rewire Your Heart. Replace Desire for Sin with Desire for God, and that's coming out wherever books are sold October 30th, and it's available for pre-order from your favorite outlet today. So visit rewireyourheartbook.com for all the details, and stay tuned at the end of the episode for a special sneak peek at the audiobook for Rewire Your Heart. Let's jump in. Okay, we are here uh, in Exodus twenty-one and twenty-three for and twenty-two and th- <laughs> I just <laughs> I skipped over that you one. I don't like that one. I don't like it. Twenty-one through tw- twenty-three. Yeah, that
1: includes twenty-two. It you you said twenty-one and twenty-three. Did I really? You
0: said and, <laughs> not through. <laughs> it's fridian slip. I'm I'm not about twenty-two at all. And and what do we see here? We see more laws lots of laws lots of laws the first of many laws and it, as soon as everybody there was the hears first that, 10 yeah the first 10 and now and there's, there's like 100 600 more <laughs> 600 more
1: to get through 602 more yeah uh, uh,
0: but don't don't skip this episode 603 because more. you're like you're like oh no laws this is really interesting and if anything i think you should want to listen to a podcast about the laws because it's like i it, it, this is part of the bible that we come to and we're like what does this have for me? We skim through it maybe. We feel frustrated by it. It's not very interesting to us. So it's like, if anything, I think what's helped lean me, in. <laughs>
1: yeah, lean in. And I think what's helped me in learning and studying the laws is to know that they actually have a place in the story and have a function as yeah. like
0: a category. They're doing something narratively,
1: Yeah, like they're actually pushing the story along that yeah. we
0: often miss. Right.
1: And so here's what we you need to know as a listener and as a reader of scripture is that when you use that the laws we have in the new testament are not all the laws
0: necessary in the old testament
1: in the old testament, you said new, testament. new testament
0: i uh, said 20 i said i skipped 22 you skipped I over skipped the, old, the testament. Entire <laughs> old testament what we're reading here is actually
1: not a complete list of laws right because and the reason we know that is because there's a lot of really important things missing from the laws yep. that should be there like there's never any laws about how you choose a good judge to preside over these mm. cases there's a lot of cases. There's like a lot of case law here that like doesn't mention some like very important facts of life. So what you need to know about when you read these laws is that it's a curated selection yeah. of laws chosen for a particular purpose right.
0: in the story. And the narrative tells us that too, because like um, I, I I'm just thinking that like there's there's times after this that we'll see that uh, people are trying to figure out what to do in a certain situation and they like. It's not in the law, and so they go and ask Moses. And they have to... And Moses has to ask God, and then God has to arbitrate and tell them, like, oh, it's this. So it's like, this is not exhaustive, it's curated. It's curated for a purpose. And that purpose is...
1: I think what's happening here is well, one. I think the laws we're about to read are an explanation of the Ten Commandments. Okay, so
0: starting starting where we are right now, not looking at the whole, not looking at fora, everything, but right twenty one through twenty three. We've just read the Ten Commandments.
1: There's like a lot of parallels with the Ten Commandments. Okay. It's like case if if the Ten Commandments are the principle behind the law, like the it's if it's like the Bill of Rights the 21 through 23 is like case law Mm. if this happens then do this if this happens then do this if this person this type of person kills somebody
0: do this if it's manslaughter and wasn't intentional then do this right so thou shalt not murder is expanded and explained right yeah so that's
1: part of what's going on
0: and we see that with like there's stuff about don't bear false witness in here there's stuff about um not like uh like how to treat other people's property so like with coveting yeah even and not just the horizontal laws towards one another. There's also God repeats a lot of the vertical laws about not worshiping idols and things like that. It all gets unpacked here. So
1: on one level, it's an explanation of the Ten Commandments. Right. But on another level, we're asking the question the book of Exodus is asking is Mm. how do God's people live in God's presence? Right. And what we're seeing here is like, okay, I've rescued you out of Israel, uh, out of Egypt. Here are Ten Commandments, and here are some more ways for you to enter into my presence. Mm. And the narrative structure of a lot of the Pentateuch, the first five books, is that God will give laws. Mm -hmm. The people will say they're going to obey them and then disobey them. Then God will give more specific laws in order to help them obey better and actually come to live in God's presence. Then they disobey those again, (laughs) and then God gives more specific laws to help them in that, and they fail again. And so the story the Pentateuch is trying to tell you is that... God, in His mercy and grace, has given the law to His people as a way to bring them into His presence, Mm -hmm. but no matter how many laws, no matter how more specific they get, they're not enough to bring and secure God's presence with
0: His people. Right, and not because the law is bad. Like, you know, Paul talks a lot about this in Romans 7. It's not because the law is evil that, you know, that's why we keep sinning, because the law is evil. That's not why. It's because we're evil. Yeah. It's because we love to rebel, and we love sin, and we hate God.
1: We're just like Pharaoh.
0: We're just like Pharaoh. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We have hard hearts, which we'll get to at the end of Deuteronomy. We have hard hearts, and we're just like Pharaoh. We don't want to, you know, God comes to us, he says, hey, do this. And we're like, I don't want to let my people go. I don't want to do this. No. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That's great. So 30,000 foot view view of the Torah and the law.
1: The law is meant to bring us closer to God. Uh Uh-huh and we should expect that after this happens there'll be some sort of failure. Yeah. And which is actually what happens. Which is what with happens, the, right? With the and so path. what
0: we should say then let's stop and say like so the law doesn't bring us close to God it can't because not because it's wrong or cuz it's evil but cuz we're wrong and we're evil. And so the solution that we find to this in the New Testament that Jesus brings is that is is what he he is he fulfills the law for us, right? And right. he brings us into the presence of God by obeying the law that we couldn't. Exactly right. Yeah. Okay. That's exactly right. Third, I mean, that's like a that's like a fifty thousand foot view of the whole Bible. There you go. Is that like no matter no keep matter even higher. he keeps <laughs> taking it even higher. No matter how many no matter how many ways God tries to get us into His presence, our sin constantly draws us away from His presence. And so God brings right. His presence to us to obey His laws on our behalf to bring us to God.
1: So if nothing else, see the laws as mercy and grace. Right not as really strict rules in order to structure your life perfectly. Yeah. These are God's mercy and grace to try to bring us into his presence. Mm -hmm. If you want to experience the divine, God say, okay, let's, let me help you. Let me help you. Here's a way to do that. Here's a way to engage. Yeah. But our hearts, right. Don't allow for it.
0: And another way we can do that is like we talked about with the 10 commandments is, um, what God commands shows us God's character. Right. So like whenever God commands something, we're like, like, the what we talked about last time was our first response shouldn't be oh great now i have to do that our first response should be oh great that's what god's like exactly that's what that's what god values that's what god loves that's what god's like is that's why he commanded this because god always commands based out of his character
1: so what do we learn then so the question is what do we learn about god in exodus 21 22 and 23
0: yeah okay well, I think the first thing that I want to note is that we learned that God um, loves justice. I mean, this is laws. I mean, laws and justice, they kind of, the justice system upholds laws and all that kind of stuff, like that all kind of goes together. Yeah. And so God loves justice. Um, but justice is a really big term <laughs> that holds a lot of categories. Um, you know, like there's, like, inside <laughs> yeah. of justice, there's like real estate law and there's like, a homicide trial. <laughs> it's like, what are we right. talking about? We say God loves justice. Well, God loves both of those things. We know that because like, I just, I, I don't know why I said real estate laws, but it's funny that I did because we know that in numbers, God gets really obsessed with drawing border boundary lines on, okay, this tribe will live here only. Yeah. So God cares about those things. And
1: even... More specifically, <laughs> building codes. Yes, building codes. Yeah, so it, it's in Leviticus. It is, where yep. it like says, make sure you have like a guardrail on the roof of your house so nobody falls, no, falls off. off. That's like, that's a building code. It's a building that's code. like a health code <laughs> violation. Like you need a barrier yes. right there. Like
0: right. So like, but then got, then there's also like um, like the the uh, what's it called uh, the, de- the death know. the death sentence uh, capital punishment. capital punishment. Thank you. Yeah, the capital punishment is in here. Uh, so like we are. Sp- like spreading the gap here. It's like everything from things that happen to your ox in this cha- in this in these three t- chapters to, you know, a sorcerer in your camp must be put to death. It's like, whoa, we are... What's happening? Justice is a big term. So I think it's helpful then to talk about three categories within justice that we see most regularly here. This is not exhaustive necessarily, but I do think it pretty much you can place almost every single law in these three chapters in one of these three buckets. Okay. And so I think there's retribution, restitution, and reconciliation. So, let me explain each. So, say the 3 Rs again yes. because
1: you're really Baptist right there. I'm very Baptist
0: right now. And I was I, I was raised Baptist, didn't follow. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh retribution, right? Retribution, which means which means uh being being punished for a wrong. Okay. So like um it's like whenever a judge you're 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 found guilty for something and then a punishment is set. And it's not so much that you're paying something back, but bearing the punishment for what you've done. It's not you can't fix it right. by even paying though we someone talk something. about
1: like a criminal paying their debt to society.
0: We don't. It's not actually a society payment. doesn't get anything from that. Right. It's but, keeping them out. They're bearing a punishment on, on themselves.
1: That's they're experiencing the consequences of their actions. That's right. Retributively. That's, that's retribution. That's retribution. That's okay. right.
0: Yeah. And, and like, that's kind of like the, the, the eye for an eye stuff. We'll get into that later.
1: And then restitution. Or no,
0: no. Re, yeah. Restitution or I, I like, uh, yeah. Restitution. Oh, no. That's right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you like get
1: confused in your head yeah, I know it is. You're the Baptist here. I know. <laughs> all your R's it's and everything. everything. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. Restitution is making amends. So... Like paying someone back for a wrong you've done to them, so it's not necessarily the only way that you're bearing your punishment. There is that the cost that you that you're having to incur that cost.
1: I remember when I had to commit restitution. You committed restitution. <laughs> I think you
0: commit a crime and then you make restitution. I
1: remember when I was like, I must be like five or six. And I stole a candy bar. How dare you from a store? Yeah. And my parents found out, and I had to go return. I had to, but I had to go return the candy bar. Yeah. But I also had to go find the manager and apologize
0: for it. Dude, I had to do the same thing. I stole a Noah's Ark eraser from a Christian bookstore. Oh, wow. And my dad made me do the same thing. I had to go and turn it in. uh, And then, yeah, I had like a 30-minute chastisement from the manager of the store talking about oh. like how I was like defrauding the company and like people oh, my work he- like people work here and like this is their livelihood they take care of their children and like you've stolen from them and I was like I'm sorry I'll never st- I never I never never stole again well done. but yeah so yeah restitution is whenever you make payment you make it right you know, so like I, I think of um we we talked we a talked man
1: about steals an ox or a sheep and kills it or sells it, he shall repay five oxen for an ox and there four sheep for a sheep. There
0: you go. Right. Yeah. It's like restitution. Return it. And then do more. Do and, more, yeah. So, who do we talk about with the thing? Uh, was it uh, Zacchaeus? Yeah. Yeah, Zacchaeus yeah. makes restitution. He yeah, was he defrauding all these people by tax fraud and taking more money than he was supposed to. And then, whenever he realizes that he's guilty, he makes restitution. He goes and not only gives people back the money that he stole, but he gives them more, you know? So, he makes it right. He makes yeah. it right. And it, and like, retribution would have been oh, you've done this, you're going to jail forever. That's retribution. Restitution was you come and make it right. So there's that category. And then reconciliation. And reconciliation. Or you could talk about social justice, which is... It's a loaded term. It's a very loaded term, but it's this idea of how do we we live with each other in a right way? Like without stomping on each other and taking advantage of each other, how can we, we be reconciled with one another? In an equitable way, so uh, under this category, we see things like there's rights for slaves here. There's uh, really revolutionary marriage rights. There's rights for the sojourners and aliens, foreigners. Rights for orphans and widows. How to how to have like really good loans set up between the rich and the poor, to where they don't take advantage of the poor. So all this stuff is is kind of like in this in this category of reconciliation. It's how like do we how
1: do we create a society that is Fair, yeah, equal, and um, like flourishing. Yes. Like how do we create a flourishing society? Not just one that's fair, right. where people get what they deserve. Yes. Not one that just when something's bad done to you, get paid back. But how right. do we get a society that's actually flourishing and like be in relationship with with each other the way it's intended to be by God's design, right? Eden.
0: And so, um, like, yeah, we talked about with retribution, like, some of the specific examples is if you murder someone, you're murdered. <laughs> you know, you, you'll be put to death, you know. So, I mean, that goes back to the Noah's Covenant where it's like if you put a man to death by man, you'll be put to death, that whole idea. And right. so that one's really easy to understand retribution you know you get what you deserve kind of although thing although
1: capital punishment is kind of
0: very loaded we're not even going to yeah. talk about that right now <laughs> this isn't a social justice show this is about Jesus <laughs> uh, and so um, Jesus and Jesus cares about social justice he does care justice. about social. we're going to talk about that <laughs> <laughs> and then there's restitution there was a
1: whole thing about that do you see that the social justice and uh, the gospel like statement that was just put out by a whole bunch of people no. it's super controversial because anyway oh, it's a whole thing
0: okay just culture reference. Culture reference.
1: Christian subculture. Subculture. Yeah, reference. there we go. See, guys, we're hip with the times. We're so
0: cool. We don't just read commentaries all day. <laughs> we read Twitter. <laughs> we also look at Twitter every now and then. Uh so that's retribution. Restitution. Um, this idea for like and you read one. Paying for damaged property, you know, if you steal someone if someone's sheep or like if, if a if you board out a hole and an ox falls in it, your neighbor's ox falls in your hole and it dies, you have to pay for that because yeah. you had an unguarded hole in your yeah. land. Okay. Makes sense. Just make amends. Okay. And then social justice, things like revolutionary slave laws. Like if you're a Hebrew and you have to sell yourself into slavery, you get freed after seven years. If you are a slave girl who gets married uh, to the, the master's son, then you're made a daughter. You're not just a slave anymore. We can come back and talk about that one a little bit more. Um,
1: yeah. I think, too, just a more general question is like, why is there slavery in the laws at all? Well, let's,
0: yeah. Okay. Well, one, that's a cultural thing. So, I mean, it's, it's a cultural thing, one, and so it's economical slavery. It, it's different. in kind, And nothing I'm about to say is trying to justify slavery at all. Okay, so don't hear that at all. In fact, I made a note to say, look at uh, Exodus 21, uh, 21, where is it? Sorry, 2116. 16. 2116 says, whoever steals a man and sells him and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. That's American slavery. That was American slavery. We stole people from their lands, sold them, and then anyone involved in that stealing, anyone involved in that trading, anyone who owns that person shall be put to death. There's no make restitutions. There's no you're dead. Like A lot of founding fathers. A lot of founding have, fathers not would not have lived that. through Israel. <laughs> <laughs> so like God deeply cares about justice. He God hated sla- slavery in America. He hates the slave trade. He hates what we did to the people in Africa. In uh, in other countries, like it was terrible. So unequivocal. No, nothing we're about to say here is trying to defend slavery, especially in its form.
1: And there also seems to be a, a, a like aspect of like volunteering to be a yes, slave. Yes, so that's as the well.
0: thing. This is part of a, a, the economy. That if say your say your your farming year was really bad and you you just had a bad yield, how are you going to feed your family? Well, you know, in a lot of societies, you it's kind of like the welfare system here. So you you find a you find a neighbor who's doing better, and you say, "Hey, can I come and work your land, and will you feed my family and you know pay my bills?" And he'll be like, "Yeah, absolutely." And that's actually an act of charity, you know. It's like there's like goodness there, and like and then that's why all these rules about how to treat your slaves with equity and how to like care for them. And there's even this picture we get in in, in Exodus 21 about a slave loving his master so much that even though he he is allowed to go free after seven years. He says, I don't want to go. I love I love working here. So it's like, yeah. this is not the kind of slavery we're thinking of. This is yeah, a I'm slavery not, that I'm like used to families s- joining together and like volunteering to stay with one another and, and marrying, marrying each seven. other. Yeah. It's yeah, not you, the same thing.
1: You use the word slavery and good in the same sentence. And I was like, oh wait, what yeah, is it? Yeah. Totally, but like, like, we're so culturally distanced from this. We don't yes. quite understand it, one. And two, like you're, what you're saying, like there's actually a, a real humanness connected with this slavery that we don't... We're not accustomed to seeing or understanding because for us in American context, we see what happened in you know, the American slave trade as right. what happened everywhere all the time. Right. But that's not actually yeah. necessarily the case. and it's
0: still st- this stuff was happening at this time, like stealing people and right. selling them in slavery would be a, there if, if it didn't happen right And so like we should also see here that like God knows that this is a propensity in the human heart to subjugate people, steal them, and enslave them against their will. And he says, this is not what will take place here. But I also want to provide a welfare system for people if things go bad. And I want it to be good for them. And so, like, we, yeah. And we actually
1: have another category to look at this, too. It's like, this brings us to Jesus mm. as well. Because what are we told? Like, we are slaves to sin. That's right. And, real, I mean, so, like, this is kind of allegorizing what we're talking about here. This is, like, laws about what it means to... Own slaves to be a slave to interact with slaves to marry a slave to marry a free person. That's that's a little bit different, but like we're actually giving categories to thinking about slavery in terms of our own salvation. Yeah.
0: Well, I don't think it's. I actually don't think it's allegorizing. I think that. I think that these laws are here not only to help create a just society for Israel, but to show how relationships work under God. And then so when Paul, a Torah scholar, someone who's bleeds the Torah, if you cut him, talks about in Romans 6 us being slaves to sin, like he's thinking in these categories because then he starts talking about like, okay, how does one get out of being a slave? Well, these things happen, and he quotes the law. And so yeah. he's, he's thinking in these categories. So we have New Testament biblical precedents for getting to Jesus right. through these texts. So and there's so, a sense so keep that, going with that. So I think it's good. So a sense
1: then like we have in our own life experience, like just the crushing weight of reality, our crops have died, our families left us. And in response to that, we subject ourselves to the slavery of sin. We say, mm. I look around me and I say, you can save me from my poverty. You can save me from my depression. You can save me from my anxiety, yep. whether that's...
0: My dissatisfaction, my like, my lack of Whether that's an purpose. idol
1: or drugs yep. or women or men. Like, yep. We look to things that you guys will provide a way out of my
0: destitution. We, we sell ourselves to them.
1: And then Jesus comes and he says, you were once slaves to sin, but now you are slaves of my me yeah, of, you, righteousness. of righteousness yeah, to me, the covenant keeper. So what does that mean? It means that now in this, a, in a, when we were destitute, we would sell ourselves to masters who would always rule over us, always hurt us, always be cruel to us, mm-hmm. which is not what's happening here, but like, that's what sin is. It's right. Satan <laughs> desires to conquer us and we sell ourselves to yes. him in some sense. Christ, we are slaves to righteousness. Right. The ability to do the law perfectly, like to, to do the law, to create a flourishing society, to live as God intended us to live under his leadership purchased by Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and how does he purchase us? We get that language here. Since we're talking about slaves, let's go ahead and talk about redemption. So they talk about redemption a lot. So if um, if, a, if a slave needs to get out of slavery, they must be redeemed. And so that, that it just means bought back restitution must be made basically. Like, you know, the, the person basically said like, hey, I have this debt, will you pay it? If you if you pay my debt, I'll sell myself to you and work your field. But then let's say that they had four years of debt and they only worked two years in the field. And they're like, well, I wanna go back and go be with my family in my own field. Well, there's two years of debt left to be paid. And so like another family member, like a kinsman redeemer or something will come and pay the, that two years. And redeem that person. They'll buy them back. They'll pay the debt. And so for us, we had a debt, right? We we had Mm -hmm. this we had this debt not just to one another, we had a debt to God because we've sinned against him and him alone, as the psalmist says. Yeah. We owe him him. glory. Yeah, we owe him glory that we didn't pay. We owe yep, worship that we didn't pay. We owe obedience that we were unable to fulfill. Yep. And, And and ultimately, like it's not only those super spiritual like terms that we don't give God. It's like whenever we mistreat someone that's against God like yeah. whenever we shortchange someone whenever we like whenever we fudge talk the truth yeah we fudge the truth when we backbite whenever we gossip like that's all against God because we are defaming someone else's image the image of God in someone else we are stepping on them we're putting ourselves over them we're trying to right. be a lord over them instead of letting God be our Lord everything yeah. is against God it, it, it goes but this goes back to the Ten Commandments yeah. every sin breaks the first commandment of not putting God first
1: and like a really helpful way to do that is like I've got a daughter if you hurt my daughter you've hurt me
0: mm, yes and
1: you you will feel maybe not my daughter's wrath but mine <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, you know? yeah definitely and so like she
0: might not she might not have enough like power or self-worth or whatever to speak up for herself and make it right but you better believe it once you find out right the hammers coming down yeah yeah and God always finds out. Yeah. <laughs> you,
1: you whatever man did this to you, Sonny, yeah. owes me it, a debt. That's right. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that's really
0: helpful. Yeah, yeah. That's really helpful. And so um I wanna I want to tie a bow on this real quick. And so um we have these categories then of retribution, restitution, and reconciliation. And I want to point out that Jesus does like does all of these for us perfectly. Like he he fulfills all these perfectly because ultimately there are so many debts that we just don't pay. Like we step on people without recognizing it, and we don't go and make retri- you know restitution to them. You know we we've we've hurt people and not made it right. We've we've gotten away with things that we haven't had to pay the pe- the, pen- the penalty for. We've gotten away with it without retribution being paid. We have broken social systems and not treated one another in a reconciling way. We've we've broken all of these and have gotten away with it you know, right. and, 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 but we haven't, right. Dad's going to find out and dad's going to bring down the hammer <laughs> and like, and, and, and he does it because he's good and he loves justice. That's what we're learning about the character of God. He loves equity and he loves things to be right and, and all this. And so Jesus, what he does is he, he, he fulfills all three of these. He takes our retribution, right? So the punishment that we deserved, the death that we earned um, for our sins, he paid for on the cross, which is we, we see death all over this text. Like uh, you know, if you do this, this, or this, you must die. <laughs> and it's like, well, we've done those things, so we deserve death. Jesus took that for us.
1: So there's not just retribution. There's also restitution right. for offended parties. One of the thing, one of the the hardest critiques I've heard of Christianity was given to me by Christopher Hitchens. Oh gosh. And he like he made me really think about this idea of like vicarious redemption, mm-hmm. vicarious um, like restitution. So then the example of me and my daughter, like, okay, you've hurt my daughter. And you owe me a debt, but like, if you've hurt my daughter, you've hurt her, right. not just me. Mm-hmm. And so, if I, how is me punishing you or me forgiving you, my daughter being restored to what you've taken from her? Like right. that doesn't cancel out the effects, of the harm that you've done to my daughter right. or to anybody. Like, so you you murder somebody, you kill somebody, you rape somebody, just because God forgives you, how's that fair to the person right. who's been harmed yeah. by your injustice? Yeah.
0: I think what we see is that like, what what we have to realize is, so we've got these three parties that you're laying out. So we have the sinner, the one sinned against, and then God, right? So you have the person doing the evil, the one to whom the evil is done, the other person, but then the ultimate judge. And we're saying like, okay, God might exact retribution against the original sinner, but you still have this person in the middle who... Has the effects of sin? Right, and they're still hurting.
1: They're still hurting.
0: Like just because you've punished that person, like whenever, a, whenever a murder is committed and a, a father is killed and the the murderer is found and put in prison, that doesn't bring the dad back no. to the family. No, it's like yet yeah, justice is done, but that's not really good yet. Like I'm still hurting. What what's what's so so what happens here in restitution is that Jesus actually makes wrong things right. He puts mm. things right. Like, right. it's like, like, that's what we saw. Like, okay, you steal a sheep, give a sheep back and make it better. And like, that's what Jesus does. He doesn't just go, oh, okay, I'll punish sin. I'll, you know, I'll take, I'll take the blow for that. And I'll make retribution. He actually comes to us and he heals us. The offend because we, we are the offended yeah. part. We are, we're the ones making the offense and we've been offended.
1: Even if, let's just say the unspeakable happens. Somebody hurts my daughter. Yeah. And even if that person was to die for what they did that still wouldn't be the justice my daughter deserves no she she needs to be put back together she needs to be put back together yeah and that only happens for her in christ yes who's promised to bring shalom to yes. bring like bring peace, peace to her to
0: her to make all things new like his burden is light he can she can cast her anxieties on her she's she was an old creation now she's a new creation like he brings restitution he 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 pays for it and like he he brings more he brings you riches in your poverty and I think the other thing we have to realize too is that in this situation, I'm gonna I'm gonna lean into your daughter a little yeah. bit here. That your daughter is not an innocent party; that she is also like she also has sin that has to be paid for. Yeah, like she's not innocent. And so I think we often think about that in terms of like, well, what about these innocent people over here? You know, right? But there there are no innocent people. Like we all sin mm-hmm. anyway.
1: That doesn't mean we deserve the bad things that happen no. to us. No, 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 no. But it does mean that we do have a debt that must be res- like must be paid to the Lord Yeah.
0: And then the final thing we need to talk about the final category in these laws is we've talked about retribution we've talked about restitution we need to talk quickly about how Jesus brings reconciliation to us um, and, and so I think we, we can see that in that here in Israel God is trying to make a society that practices you know this loaded term social justice uh they live they live at peace with one another they love one another they treat one another with equity they care for one another they don't exploit one another all these things in a
1: place for foreigners and outsiders place for foreigners,
0: outsiders that's right uh even even the poor and the slaves they're treated they're treated well and even given loopholes to get a leg up in society like everything is you know trying to be fair here And so how does Jesus do this for us? We have to see that whenever we encounter the gospel, whenever we see that Jesus has made retribution, you know, taken our retribution, has made restitution, has brought us peace and shalom to our offended hearts that have been broken and hurt, whenever we realize that we have been reconciled to God, we're then able to be able to be reconciled to one another.
1: This is like one of the first applications of the gospel in almost all the new testament hmm. is the reconciliation between jew and gentile like one of the one of the ways in which this ends up being played so like here it's in this like this really early form like okay social justice includes including the outsider or oh, right. the sojourner Yeah, but actually it becomes one of the major emphasis of like once we we become reconciled to god jew and gentile are reconciled to one another right this is like the first right. application of the book of it's the a cause Christians. and effect yeah it's a cause like, and effect yeah. because
0: it's like and we see that here in the law too it, he says don't oppress the sojourner among you because you were sojourners in egypt and i rescued you so rescue the sojourner among you it's a cause and effect because of what god has done for you 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 live in a way that is equitable towards others and so because jesus has like done such an amazing thing for us brought us such good news we can bring good news to other people like, yeah. yeah,
1: if two, the two most unlike beings in the universe can be reconciled to <laughs> God to, and us, God yeah. and us can be reconciled, brought together, mm-hmm. living each other's presence. Right, human beings. Yep, you, no matter how unlike you seem to one another, right, are under obligation to. Yeah, to to be in relationships. Yeah, to and not work, to, uh, yeah. to be unified together, to be one with one another, to treat each other fairly. Right. Like, and that. not only under
0: an obligation. I think we're. It's. I think it's an inevitable outworking of a heart changed by the gospel that like we we will become reconciled. And yes, we we have to be called to it. And I I think, but I think when we realize the more we realize what God has done for us in the gospel, the more we will realize what we want to be doing for others.
1: Exactly, and I think. One of the po- important points here, and to get into a little bit of the controversial issue with social justice, is that actually to be reconciled by God to God mm-hmm. requires legislation. Like it requires not just an internal heart change, but actually changes the way that we function in society. It changes not only our relationship with other people, the types of people that we're willing to engage with, but as you see here, like the Lord is making ways in which the poor and the rich can operate alongside one another the immigrant and the the native can live in peace with one another that in in the new testament how the racially and ethnically different can live alongside and i think in we have enough social problems in our world like you know like social justice issues in our own society to know that okay the lord cares about reconciliation broadly so much so that he's actually put it into law books in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And so we should also be thinking and considering how does the Lord's, our reconciliation with the Lord actually affect the way that we live in society, the, right. the way that we construct cities, yeah. the way that we build our laws, the way that we take social action. Like, I th-
0: Okay, so you said, I think you said that like reconciliation with the Lord requires um, legislation. I think what you mean is reconciliation with one another because of we've been reconciled with God, requires legislation. Yes. Okay, I was like, yeah. I was thrown for a loop there. I was like, oh, wait, yeah. what? Because what we need to see here is not, I think the, the issue with social justice where it gets messy is the, the, a lot of people are like, in, if you really want to be a Christian and you really want to follow God, the only way to do that is by engaging in social justice. And it becomes like this meritorious kind of works-based economy that it's like only those who love, like who are like doing these radical acts of social justice are really the Christians. And it's like, okay, they might have the fruit, you know, but like, right. we can't put the cart before the horse here as much as we might want to. We can't make this into a legalistic kind of self salvation. It's no. only those who have been affected by the gospel that truly love their neighbor because you can actually do harm to your neighbor by loving them if you see them as a means to your own salvation. If you're like, I'm only going to care for the poor because I know if I do it enough, God will accept me. So you're just making them, you're making the homeless person a bargaining chip at that point. Right. That's not what I'm saying. I know you're not saying that. I'm saying that for our listeners. Like, and that's something I had to work through a lot post-college. And like, I was, I I wasn't, that that was me.
1: Hippie David. Hippie David was,
0: I'm going to live on the streets of downtown with all the poor people because if I don't, I'm going to be a goat on the last day and God's going to cast me out like right. it was very much a workspace salvation and what i what, what's been so liberating for me is seeing that like no the more i enjoy the free gift of grace in the gospel the more the holy spirit empowers me to be able to go and give free gifts of grace to others yes the more my the equity that god has given me i realize the more i'm able to give equity to others i
1: think what i was pushing against is this idea like so like this conversation it's like with the racial yeah. tension in the states. Right, right, like, right. And a lot of times the, the line is, you can't, like, legislation doesn't t- change people's hearts. And oh, so, yeah, I see. And, like, and we actually, actually the history of the New Testament, Old Pro- Testament proves that that's true, proves that that's true, but it doesn't prevent the Lord from making laws right? that, that make sure society is yeah. equitable and fair for well, all people. It's the
0: same thing to say, like, just because Israel broke the laws doesn't mean the laws were bad. It's like the same thing. It's like just because legislation doesn't change people's hearts doesn't mean we shouldn't make legislation that cares for the, the, the marginalized, the orphans, the widows, the oppressed, the, the, the exactly foreigners. Right. Like, yeah, we need to fight for them in legislation and in action. Like yes. we need to invite the widow to our home and we need to advocate for her in legislation right is it it's exactly right
1: and i think part of this too is like a better understanding of the kingdom of god like yeah yeah yeah. just like lean into that word kingdom like kingdom has its own set of of expectations rules rules, laws edicts yep and like as christians as members of that kingdom before we're members of america or Mm -hmm. new zealand or wherever we're from like we have a responsibility because we've been reconciled to the lord yes because we are being reconciled to one another to make laws that look like the kingdom of God yeah. even before the kingdom of God arrives. Right. And
0: again, it's not just a responsibility. I think I, right. I think I keep pushing back against this because it's like it's not just a responsibility. It's not like, well now that you're in Israel, follow these laws. Now you have the responsibility. I think it's God reworked the system went with the gospel. It's It's now that we've been reconciled to God, we now have the impulse, the desire. We have new hearts. Like we want reconciliation. And so I I would push against that and say, like, it's not like if you if you don't love your neighbor or even want to want to love your neighbor, like it's not like, well, do it and then you'll be in right relationship with God. It's you should probably go back and test your heart to see if you've believed the gospel. Like that's the starting point for making legislation, for, you know, equitable legislation. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I'll always push against that. <laughs> well, yeah. I
1: think I think there's no problem with the term responsibility.
0: I don't think so either. I just want to always hedge my bet that people are going to interpret responsibility into a self-salvation model where they're like, oh, yeah, well, I just need to do that. And then if I do that, then I'll be right with God. Because I think people are always spinning their wheels, feeling like they're bad Christians, feeling like they, there's still one thing left that if they did this, they would be right with God. And it's like oh that's what's missing i'm just not doing enough social justice and if i did i would feel at peace with god and it's like no peace with god has been bought in the right. retribution and restitution of jesus christ and now the more you enjoy that the more you will go out and bring reconciliation
1: yeah there's a certain religious type of person who will try to buy God's sal- buy god's salvation and smile yeah and like good favor by doing a lot of good religious things yeah and when you do that you come at like Isaiah one, I hate your festivals. I hate your new moons. Right. And like you also, when you become really pious and like self-righteous that that way, you kind of, everybody knows it and everyone kind of hates you. Mm-hmm. And like, you're really, you know, like you're not an enjoyable person to be around if you're self-righteous. Yeah. But there's also kind of a self-righteousness that comes from being a social justice advocate. That's like right. I'm the only one living the true Christian, the true Christian life, life. And everybody else needs to do what I'm doing. And like, it creates a lot of guilt, yep. a lot of false guilt. Yeah. It creates a, and another way to self-save. Self yeah. But what the gospel calls us to is neither like some... Fair, fair neither neither being a social justice warrior nor being a pharisee yes it's calling us because we've been reconciled to god because we're being reconciled to others we get to push in both directions even harder we can be mm. holier than the pharisees yeah. and more of a warrior for social justice causes oh, without ever being condemned by our guilt or our fear of judgment
0: So now, at the end of this passage, like we've we've had to really fly over a bunch.
1: Yeah. So if you feel like, hey, you didn't talk about this, you didn't talk about this, you totally glanced over slavery, and you didn't talk about that enough.
0: Like <laughs> we, we talked know, a lot about slavery. Definitely. We know. Yeah. Yeah, we but know. Yes, we know. We we glossed over some things. There's just a lot. There's just a lot. It's because you have one verse with like seven words in it, and it's like the sorcerer must be put to death. It's like, oh my gosh, we could talk about that for 10 minutes to, so to figure send, that out. So if you
1: have questions, send it in. Send an email.
0: Podcast at SpokenGospel.com. You can follow us on Twitter yep. and tweet us on the tweets. Yep. At, at, what's yours? Seth J. Stewart. And at David B. Poetry. And so yeah, ask us questions. We want to hear from you. So if there's one law that you're like, man, what the heck is this about? We'd love to, we'll answer it next time. Or you're like, you totally justified slavery. We okay. want to hear from yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> because we, we didn't. But if you think we did, Tell us tell us why okay so so then we, we get we get through these laws uh retribution restitution reconciliation and then we get down to um,
1: boiling a young goat in its mother's milk yes and then the immediate next verse oh my goodness the immediate next verse about not boiling a goat in its mother's milk is God speaking to Moses <laughs> and saying behold I send an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I prepared.
0: Seems like a good logical next step from boiling. Right. So a, like, so like here's all the laws. Yep.
1: And then now God is saying, okay, I'm going to promise to you that you will actually enter into the promised land. You will right. actually enter into the land of Canaan. The way that I'm going to do that is by sending an angel mm-hmm. in front of you. And he says, pay careful attention to him and obey his voice. Don't rebel against him and he, because he will not pardon your transgressions yeah. for my name is in him. Super strange phrase. My yeah. name is in him.
0: It seems like this angel is like an embodiment of the law here.
1: Right. All these laws, okay, I'm going to guarantee you your victory. Right. But no, there is a figure of judgment right. that I am in yeah, he, who will in, ensure your victory, but also your punishment.
0: Right. And he's like, my my laws are – my word is in him. Like he Like, don't rebel against him. Obey his voice. Like – don't rebel against my law, obey my voice. He's now deputizing this angel with the same emphasis that he put on the law, it seems.
1: Yeah, and then he says, this angel is going to be the one who makes sure that you conquer the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hevites, the right. Like mm-hmm. He's the one who's going to do it. Mm. So it's like this really kind of strange, like, I honestly didn't, I've never noticed this before. God, like, has an angel yeah. that he just shows to Moses. like, see this guy over here? <laughs> see this angel? He, he's your guy. Yep. And he's going to make sure that when you go to battle, You win out the battles, but he's also going to bring judgment on you if you disobey this law.
0: Yeah, it's like, oh, I thought these were just like, you know, strong suggestions. (laughs) He's like, no, 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 there's the watchdog over there. Right, and he's
1: got a big sword. Uh, Although, I don't know if he mentions the sword here. I don't think Um, it's here,
0: but we regularly see this angel of the Lord throughout the biblical text with a sword sword. or some kind of yeah
1: the next place i think we see it is in the book of numbers where there happens to be a sword wielding angel that blocks balaam's way right on his way to curse israel and this angel is actually the one who makes sure that he blesses them as they're about to go conquer canaan so like it's like it's his job it's his job to make sure you conquer canaan and we don't want another foreign power coming in cursing the people that are going to go do this no they are going to take over and that's what balaam Right. over the grumbling nation of Israel. And then when we see this angel again in the book of Joshua as they're coming near Jericho to take over the land. And I I heard the story as a kid, and I never really put the pieces together, but in the book of Joshua, it says, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Mm-hmm. And Joshua approached him and he asked, are you for us or for our enemies? And then he says, <laughs> <With> neither. Neither! <laughs> and <he> said, neither. <laughs> I have come as the commander of the Lord's, the Lord's armies. armies. Yeah, and then Joshua bowed down with his face to the ground, and asked him, "What does my Lord want of his servant?" Mm. So I think a couple things here, like one, whose side is this angel Ooh.
0: on? His own. His own. Wow. My name is in him. He's on. My name he's on is, Yahweh's side.
1: I like. Yeah, and yeah. then. Joshua worships him. Yes, so I think he we're talking about is, Jesus.
0: Yeah, he is the he is the pre-incarnate Jesus. He's the Word who, from the beginning, spoke everything into existence. This is the angel of Yahweh. It is a theophany, a manifestation of Yahweh.
1: Yeah, this is we like who's gonna who's going to make sure you victor have victory in Canaan, Moses? Who's gonna make sure you yeah. obey the law? Jesus is. Yeah, Josh Balaam. Who's gonna make sure that you're blessed when you go into the nation? Jesus, Jesus is. Who's gonna make sure that when you go into battle at Jericho? Mm. Uh, that that like you, you you win yeah Jesus is and whose side is Jesus on?
0: He's on Yahweh's side.
1: On my own, yeah. Like, on my own, I'm not. Yeah. Free. And so I think what that's interesting to know that he says neither. Like I'm not on Israel's side, right? But like I thought, all this points to being on Israel's side, right? I think if you fast forward one more time to First Chronicles two uh-huh. sixteen, David King David Chronicles the last two books of the Hebrew Bible, right? David kind of looking back. As summarizing all of Israel's history, has this vision of a sword-wielding angel poised over Jerusalem, ready to strike, mm. and it leads all the elders and the, um, the, the the court to repent. And so, I think what he's saying, like this is like this angel is a symbol of judgment on all those who would disobey. Right. All those who would disobey. All through this angel is bringing judgment.
0: Oh, I see. So when you say he's on neither side. He's on the side of God's justice. He's on the
1: side of God's and justice. And that means, like,
0: don't rebel against him. Listen to the words that are in his mouth. Because if you don't, Israel, he will be against you. He's not right. on your side. He's going gonna, like, gonna to show you favoritism. for. And neither is he going to show Jericho favoritism when we go and take it. He's no. on his own side.
1: He's on his own side. Yeah. And, yeah. That's interesting. It. And so who, then, does the sword fall on?
0: Mm. Everyone.
1: It, it falls on everyone. Yeah. It falls on every single human yeah. that would rebel against the law and standards of the lord which is everyone which is everyone yeah until jesus yeah and jesus the one holding the sword comes under judgment of his own wow he falls on it for us a lot giving us the ability not only to escape our just judgment but he can allow us to do justice for all people
0: amazing that's beautiful i love that the angel of the lord that's cool and we'll see the angel of the lord come back again uh, later on in Exodus, like Exodus thirty-three and thirty-four, he gets mentioned again, mm-hmm. and um, he's so also
1: in Genesis. He's in Genesis when he's guarding the, the Garden of Eden from rebellious humanity. Oh, interesting. I've <laughs> yeah. never,
0: I've, I've never understood the cherubim. Is it, is it a cherubim or just say the angel of the Lord? I don't know Genesis what it says 3? there. I, I thought about it. I oh, like, okay. it makes sense
1: know. conceptually, but maybe I think that's not.
0: Yeah, it's like with the with the cherubim at in Genesis three, and then you see the cherubim on the. Ark of the Covenant. I don't know if it's the angel of the Lord or something else. And then they're in Isaiah 6 in the throne room. I don't know if that's Jesus. Anyway. Anyway. This is Jesus. This is definitely Jesus. Yeah, that's great. Well, that's so exciting. Um, Man, cool. Well, uh, so next week, we'll be talking about the tabernacle laws with a special guest with a special guest so yeah it's really cool uh tease the special guest for us who, who, who um, will we have on we'll have on next week a
1: woman named kristen hatton she's an author of multiple books uh particularly for teenagers she works in blogs and will be a speaker at the rooted student ministry conference coming up and most recently she's written a gospel-centered guide to the book of exodus which is
0: so cool for teenagers yeah we were like hey that's what like that's what
1: we're doing, that's what we're, doing. we're doing and so like you should totally and so she's going to come next week and talk to us about how we see Jesus in the tabernacles.
0: Oh, that's so exciting. I'm pumped about that. Well, awesome. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you next week. And now I hope you enjoy this excerpt from the audiobook version of my upcoming book, Rewire Your Heart. How does this happen? How do we change our affections? The remainder of this book answers that question. But first, we must understand something crucial about our fight with sin and our quest for holiness. Without this brief foundation, what follows will lack power and clarity. We have seen that we only ever do what we want. We only ever follow our affections. And the only way we can hope to beat sin and live holy lives is to have our affections reflect God's loving what he most loves and hating what he most hates. But how does God expect us to change our affections so that they hate sin? How does God equip us with new affections to live the lives of holiness he wants us to live? One of the most important answers the Bible has for us is the same for both of these questions. God wants us to rewire our hearts by rehearsing the story of his salvation. He wants us to repeat the good news of our redemption. In short, he wants us to practice re-evangelism. You probably know what evangelism is. It is sharing the good news of the gospel with others. Re-evangelism means repeating the good news of the gospel. Re-evangelism is not some meritorious or righteous act that earns you the change of heart you desire any more than hearing the gospel for the first time merited your salvation. It is rehearsing, reliving, re-enjoying the good news that has once and for all saved you. Re-evangelism is not an action, but an abandonment. It is not some good work we do, but a recognition of the good work done for us already. The Bible makes this clear. One of the chief ways we rewire our hearts to obey God and conquer sin is by repeating the stories of his goodness and our salvation re-evangelism has always been one of God's primary means for rewiring hearts that long to obey him. In the Old Testament, when God wants to call his people out of disobedience and back to lives of holiness, he repeats the story of the Exodus. God saving his people out of the land of Egypt is the story on which the entire Old Testament hangs. God brought judgment against Israel's enemies, culminating in taking the life of every firstborn son in Egypt while passing over his people and leading them to freedom. And God kept calling his people to remember this story of their salvation. Before giving the famous Ten Commandments, God said, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, Exodus 22. The story comes before the summons. Redemption precedes regulation. What God had done energized what God was calling them to do. We see this throughout the Old Testament. When God restated his prohibition against idols, he couched the command in his redemptive work in bringing the people out of the land of Egypt, Psalm 81.10. When he told his people not to fear in the face of their enemies, he reminded them of how he saved them in the Exodus by bringing them up out of the land of Egypt, Deuteronomy twenty one. When God gave his people the famous command to be holy for I am holy, he did so while rehearsing their salvation out of the land of Egypt, Leviticus 11.45. Even when he passed judgment on them, it was because they had forgotten the story of their redemption, Amos 6.10. The repeated story of the Bible is that God rescues before he commands. God's people are meant to follow his law based on his redemption of them. Re-evangelism, repeating the story of their redemption, was to be one of the primary means of Israel's holiness. But the prophets of the Old Testament promised a time when this story would be replaced, Jeremiah sixteen fourteen and 23, 7. There would be a new story about their rescue from a new exile. This would be a second and fuller exodus. This would be a story not just for Israel, but for the whole world. Genesis twenty-two eighteen, Isaiah 2, 3, Micah 4, 2. This new story is the gospel. Our exodus out of the land of sin and death was won for us by Jesus. We were slaves, not to a strong military nation, but to all the might of death brought on by our own sin. Instead of bringing judgment down on his enemies, as he did during the first exodus, God brought down his judgment against sin on himself in the person of Jesus. On the cross, Jesus became the slain firstborn son who bore the wrath of God so that our judgment could pass over us. This slain son of God then rose from the dead so that he could forever be seated at the right hand of God, interceding for those who believe in him. This is the gospel. We have been bought with the precious blood of Jesus and reconciled to the God of the universe, even though we did nothing to deserve it. Like the Old Testament, the New Testament authors constantly couch their warnings against sin and their exhortations to holy living in this story of salvation. The Apostle Peter repeated the command to be holy for I am holy while surrounding it with the story of our salvation in Christ, 1 Peter to 21 Paul said that both our abandonment of sin and our desire for good works are the direct result of this good news story, Titus to 8 The letter to the Romans tells us that the only way we can please God and die to sin is through our faith in this gospel story, 8 8- 3-11. to 11. These examples are but a grain of sand on the vast shoreline of New Testament commands couched in New Covenant promises. One of God's primary plans for rewiring our hearts to fight sin and pursue holiness is for us to repeat the story of his greatness in our salvation. After the internal supernatural work of the Holy Spirit actually remakes our hearts so that they believe in God, re-evangelism is God's ongoing program for rewiring human hearts and actions. This can take place personally and corporately through songs and sermons. You can sing this story over yourself and the Holy Spirit can sing it within you, Romans 8.15. Rehearsing the story cannot be done too regularly for it is one of the chief ways by which we will conquer sin and live holy lives. The gospel is not only the power that saves us, the gospel is the power that changes us. How this works in our hearts is pretty simple. Rehearsing the story of the gospel gives our hearts properly ordered affections. These affections move from the heart to the hands. Therefore, the gospel repeated over our lives should change our lives. However, there is one great stumbling block to the wondrous change brought on by re-evangelism. Re-evangelism's greatest enemy is self-salvation. When we try to rely on, credit, or honor anything other than God as our deliverer, we are committing the idolatry of self-salvation. When we credit ourselves with what God says he has done, we attempt self-salvation. Nowhere is this more clear than when the Israelites fashioned a golden calf just after the Exodus and worshipped it, saying, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Exodus 32.4 they credited the work of their hands, which accomplished nothing, instead of rejoicing in the work of God's hands, which had already accomplished everything. Self-salvation is the enemy of re-evangelism because it keeps the heart from casting itself on God. Just as re-evangelism leads to a refusal of sin and a desire for holiness, so self-salvation leads to the refusal of holiness and the desire for for sin. In fact, self salvation is the beginning, root, and cause of sin itself. And that's what we see at the beginning of our Bibles. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. We'd like to remind you that my new book, Rewire Your Heart, Replace Your Desire for Sin with Desire for God, is coming out October 30th. Pre-orders are now available from your favorite retailer. And for all the information, for special offers, for group discussion guides, journal prompts, free chapters, and more, you can visit rewireyourheartbook.com. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit organization dedicated to creating gospel-centered media that speaks the gospel out of every corner of scripture in every corner of the world. To learn more about the ministry of Spoken Gospel and to view more of our resources, visit SpokenGospel.com.